0: So, it's hard to believe that we are already at the point in 2021 where Thanksgiving is just a couple days away. Feels like this year's gone by super fast. Um, But with Thanksgiving being this week, it reminds me of a quote from a great theologian named Piglet. (laughs) In Winnie the Pooh. Uh, It said, Piglet noticed that even though he had a very small heart, it could hold a rather large amount of gratitude.
1: Our our hearts are somewhat larger than Piglet's probably. Uh, Not that I know the science
0: of how big a pig's heart is. Some of you might. But I do wonder how much gratitude our hearts can hold. I would assume it's probably more than we've got in there right now. Can't speak for everybody, but I know it's probably true of myself. It is great to have a day set aside to focus on being thankful. But why just a day? Why do we just, whenever it's about to be Thanksgiving, maybe even if it's a month, because I know in our house, we, we have a pumpkin on our table, we write things
1: we're thankful for on each day throughout November. But still, that's only one month. It should be more of a way of life. So today, we're
0: going to take a look at Psalm 100, which we read for the call to worship, and how we can make Thanksgiving more of a way of life. The psalm that we read can be broken down into three critical points.
1: To live with thanksgiving, we need truth to support it. We need feelings to spur it, and we need actions to complete it. The order of these three is important. We receive the truth first. And then the feelings
0: of thanksgiving start to burn because of the truth that we know. And then we
1: express those feelings through action. What makes Christianity unique is that we receive
0: everything by grace. Everything. We don't work to earn it. We receive salvation by faith alone through Christ alone. Then once we receive that,
1: we realize how thankful we are, and we respond in good works. That's how thanksgiving works. It's a response to something.
0: So we're going to take those three things one at a time. The first one, to live with thanksgiving, we need truth to support it. So a few years back, you know how they do every year, the dictionary determines what the word of the year is?
1: A few years back, uh, the word of the year was post-truth. If there was ever a word that defines our society. It's post-truth.
0: Here's the definition. Relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief.
1: Post-truth, in a sense, well, in short, means we don't base stuff on facts, on truth, We base it on our emotions and on what we think. That's what post-truth means. But Our feelings change. They're up and down. Our feelings change. They're going to let us down if that's all we have is our feelings.
0: As Christians, we shouldn't live post-truth lives.
1: Feelings don't drive truth and action. Truth drives feelings and action. We're going to look at this passage
0: a couple verses at a time. Not necessarily in order, so hang with me. (laughs) We're going to start by looking at verses 3 and 5. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse five. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his
1: faithfulness to all generations. Notice the first word in verse three. No. That word indicates certainty. There's no question mark. It's just Know it. And if there is a word
0: that supports the rest of this psalm, it is the word know. It's the prerequisite for everything else in this psalm. To live with thanksgiving, we need truth to support it. So, what should we know? The psalmist lists seven things just in these two verses that are truth. In light of Thanksgiving, let's look at it like we're going to take a little bit of a helping of each of
1: those things. We're going to we're going to get our plate ready. Number one, He is God. The
0: first thing that we need to know, the first truth, the foundational truth: God is God. In First Kings 18, uh, if you're not familiar with the story in First Kings 18, I encourage you to read it. I'm just giving a as brief a synopsis as possible. But Elijah, God's prophet, came to the people of Israel. And he said, how long will you go limping between two options? If the Lord is God, follow him.
1: If Baal, then follow him. Then there's this big showdown. And God shows up
0: in a big way. And he Lights. He brings down fire from heaven to start a fire on a soaking wet pile of wood. Which was intended to show the greatness of God. Baal could not. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said,
1: The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. He's not one God among many. He's the only God if we get this right a lot of the other things just fall into place that's why it's first he is god but second he made us we are not accidents
0: we have divine intention we were made by god in the image of god psalm 139 says for you formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb humanity is not formed by just throwing a bunch of particles together by chance. We're knitted with careful attention to detail. The you that you are was not by accident. You were created by God. You were thought of before the foundations of the world. You have significance,
1: even glory, because God made you. Third, we are his people. He not only made us, He wants us. We, we've done enough sinning
0: to be eternally separated from God. And by enough, I mean like sinned once. <laughs> we could be separated from God due to our sin, but He still calls us His. He still wants us. He
1: still wants you. How do we know that? How do we know that He wants us? Because he came for us. Jesus left his home in heaven out of his great love for us.
0: He accomplished the work of salvation because his heart
1: beats for his people. In Psalm 17, it tells us that his people are the apple of his eye. We are his people. Number four, we are
0: the sheep of his pasture. He's not some benevolent but distant father. He's in the field with us. He shepherds us. He leads. He protects. He disciplines. He guides. We're not left out there by ourselves. We're under the kind watch of the good
1: shepherd. If we stray, he comes to get us. Psalm 23 comes to mind. I'm going to read that for you guys.
0: You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
1: We are the sheep of his pasture. He is good. The verse says, for the Lord is good. And it just run down through
0: some other places where he is described as good. Luke 18, 19 Who is good but God alone? Psalm 119, 68. He is good and does good. Psalm 145, 9. The Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all his works. Psalm 86, 5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. He
1: is good. Who secures eternal redemption for his people unless he is good. He's not just good to some, he's good to all. He's good to you. Number six, his steadfast love endures forever. It's it's this love that he bound to himself that he bound himself to by his
0: covenant promises all throughout scripture. It's never ending, it's ever present, it's constantly shaping. It's fiercely protecting us.
1: It's the love that stuck with Israel when Israel didn't stick with him. It's the love that
0: sent Jesus into our world and bound him to human skin. It's the love that empowered him to fight temptations and compelled him to endure the cross for the joy
1: that was set before him. Guess what? We are that joy. We are that joy that he endured the cross for.
0: And if he was willing to endure all of that, how how can we doubt his steadfast
1: love now? He's not going to give up on us. His love endures. And seven, the last bit of truth for these verses, his faithfulness endures to all generations.
0: When we are faithful or when we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. He never runs out of faithfulness. He didn't for Israel, and he won't for you. You fit inside the all generations that this verse is talking about. He didn't leave anybody out. He said all generations. So the foundation has
1: been set. We're sticking with the Thanksgiving idea. The plate is now made. To live with thanksgiving... We need truth to support it, but then we need feelings to spur it. Feelings matter. They they aren't all that matters, as a post-truth society
0: might lean towards, but they do matter. The Christian life is not emotionless. Anybody who says that it
1: is, doesn't understand it. But those emotions need to be based on truth. Therefore, they have a foundation to really exist and last. I came across
0: this story about a pastor who was ministering in a rescue mission and got an opportunity to talk God with a homeless man. The homeless man actually started the conversation with him, and he said, how do you enter the gates of God?
1: And the pastor searched his mind, and he goes, mm, with joy. And the guy goes, nope. Okay, uh, with praise, he shot back. Wrong. And they kind of went back and forth
0: for a little bit on this. And the, and the guy says, aha, I've caught you not reading your Bible. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. He was waiting for the word Thanksgiving. Here's a homeless man receiving food he didn't buy from a man he didn't know in a room full of other homeless men just trying to escape
1: the winter weather. And he had a treasure. Of all the things he could have brought up for this
0: conversation.
1: He wanted to talk about thankfulness for what God has done. How incredible is that? First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all
0: circumstances, for this is God's will for you. This homeless man had learned how to give thanks in all circumstances. He understood that he was among the people of God. And when we realize that we are counted among the people of God, we
1: shouldn't be able to contain our thanksgiving. When we have that truth, our feelings should be spurred on. In this verse, it talks about gates and courts. That's talking about God's temple place where Israel worshipped. To enter his gates and his courts was to enter into God's presence.
0: But the temple had structure, it had rules, it it had degrees of separation. For example, uh, the one room is called the Most Holy Place. And only one person could go in that room, the high priest, and he could only do it once a year on the Day of Atonement because that was the earthly dwelling place of God. It was where God literally was. But regardless of which part of the, the courts and, and every, all the and gates, the temple,
1: regardless, the command was enter with thanksgiving and praise. Why? Because they had access to the God of the universe. When
0: you're entering those gates and courts, you're entering into God's presence.
1: Why not enter with thanksgiving and praise? Do we realize how much more access we have to the presence of God than the Israelites did?
0: When Jesus died on the cross, that big thick curtain that separated
1: the most holy place was torn in two from top to bottom. That's significant.
0: God tore that curtain because Jesus' sacrifice was perfect for all time.
1: No more separation. Salvation has fully come through Jesus Christ. God doesn't
0: just dwell in a temple somewhere. He's not just here in this building.
1: He now dwells inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are never without God's presence. When we have rock-solid truth, that shows us who God is and all that he's done, it creates overwhelming feelings of thanksgiving.
0: When we see how loved we really are, how utterly saved and redeemed we really are, how great God's love and care for us really is, feelings of thanksgiving well up and spur us on. So we have the solid food of truth that fills us to create feelings of thanksgiving
1: that spur us and lead finally to actions to complete it. And so we will go and look at verses 1 and 2 finally. (laughs) But
0: before we look at the actual verses, whether it's in your Bible or in your app, if you look at this passage... There's a title above it that says, a psalm for
1: giving thanks. The Hebrew here means to praise or give public acknowledgement. Or to tell others what God has done. We give thanks
0: to God through the action of praise. Verses one and two tell us how. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Three public actions. Make a joyful noise, serve the Lord, come into his presence. So let's get a helping of each of these for our second course.
1: Are there any college football fans here? A couple? All right. This is the best example I can think of. You've probably seen it
0: even if it was just in a quick highlight on TV. An underdog team at home against a big-name rival. The underdog wins, the crowd goes wild, the band starts playing, the fans storm the field. Seen that where the students just rush the field? I've seen that usually end badly, goalposts start falling down. But it's impossible not to smile
1: if you were cheering for the winning team. (laughs) But that is a joyful noise. This psalm instructs
0: us to parade into church as if we're celebrating the Lord like you're rushing the field.
1: It's an invitation to get rowdy in the presence of the Lord. The big game has been won. The underdog claimed victory upon the cross. His resurrection proved
0: it. We can't stop talking about that final play that sealed the game. We can't seem to replay it enough. We can't seem to tell enough
1: people about what happened. That's what it looks like to make a joyful noise to the Lord.
0: We tend to chalk that up as just singing. That's what it's, talking about singing, right? That's not all it is. It's just about
1: grinning ear to ear, super excited, making noise because of who he is and what he's done. Second, serve the Lord. So, we make a joyful noise to the Lord. And second, we serve the Lord. But how do we serve the Lord? It says, serve the Lord with gladness. The word serve indicates we're doing work. <laughs> Accomplishing things for God. But we can do
0: that in one of two ways. We can do that begrudgingly or we can do that
1: with gladness. How are you serving? Do you see it as a chore? Something you have to do?
0: Or or is there joy? Is there gladness? Is there delight?
1: Thankful hearts serve the Lord with gladness out of a response to his goodness. We know his truth. It stirs up feelings in us of thankfulness and those feelings spur us on towards action to complete it. Serving with gladness is serving out of love, not serving to be loved. We do it because we feel the love of God, not because we want somebody's approval or we need to be loved.
0: It's a response. And lastly, come into his presence. It says, come into his presence with singing. One of my new favorite songs, we were even singing it at Jolt just a couple of weeks ago. It's by Phil Wickham. And here's some of the words. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your name.
1: When we are excited and passionate, we loosen up a little bit. We sing about what we delight in. Do we come into God's presence that way? We sing his praises here at church as a public
0: acknowledgement of who he is, what he's done for us, who we are to him,
1: but why just here? Praise is the outflow of knowing who he is and the feelings that flow from that truth. To live with thanksgiving, we need actions to complete it. And that's the final step in giving
0: thanks. I want to close by reading you guys a quote from CS Lewis's Reflections on the Psalms. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is to come suddenly at the turn of the road upon the mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then have to keep it silent because the people with you care for it no more than a tin can in the ditch to hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. The catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify
1: him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. And so it is with thanksgiving we give thanks, we complete the joy. When we see what God has done, we respond in thanksgiving
0: and praise. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, not because we've worked up enough gratitude to do so, but because we've seen enough of God that we can't help but to
1: do so. Thanksgiving is all about responding to God. Our hearts may be very small, but they hold a large amount of gratitude. How will you respond? We are going to transition to a time of sharing.
0: And Jim's going to lead us through that. But before we do, I just want to just pray for our time
1: we move into this time of just gratitude for God. Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for everything that you have done for us, through us, in us. Lord, fill us with gratitude, joy, praise, thanksgiving. Lord, as we enter into
0: this time, please just remind us. Start bringing to mind the things
1: that you have done. or just flood us with memories of, of all that you've done for us. In your name we pray.